people, welcome to another episode of our, my podcast. Well, actually, welcome to the first official episode of Black Girls Love True Crime. Yes, we got a new name. It's now called Black Girls Love True Crime. For those of you that have listened to my last episodes, or last two episodes when it was called Stories by T, um, we have a new name, new branding. So welcome to Black Girls Love True Crime. It's still your host, T. So welcome. Um, we still are talking about true crime stories as we have been. Um, and today we are going to South Africa. We've left Nigeria for a bit. We're probably still going to go back to Nigeria, but we're going to South Africa today. And we're talking about a story in South Africa. And for those of you guys that are real true crime junkies, I'm sure you've heard this in other true crime podcasts because I've heard it. Um, but I definitely did a little bit more research now because obviously I'm the one telling the story. So of course I have to do more research. And in true fashion, as the past two episodes have been, we are not really going about this in any real order. It might be a little bit all over the place. You know, don't 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 quote me here. This is just your girl giving her story in the way that she does. Um, this is not like a thesis or a dissertation. Like I haven't done some kind of like, you know, super <laughs> intense research here. I'm just reading what I, you know, just as someone who who likes true crime and likes listening to, I mean, watching true crime stories and listening to true crime stories. I also like telling true crime stories. And of course, when you're talking to your girls or to your friends about true crime, you're not over here. Some stories, some of the things you say are not necessarily, you know, what really happened or what really went down, but it's what we, it's how we say it. So anyway, so we're going to South Africa today. We are talking about the Van Breda murders. Um, and this is what I guess we call a side, family side, which is a family side, I guess is how it's pronounced, family side, which is when, you know, someone in like a family member kills like their family. Um, but we're talking about this and this is the story of um Henry uh let me make sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly it's Henry Crystal Van Breda Henry Crystal Van Breda um was uh so so actually let's 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 go back from the let me let me make sure that I'm kind of going through some type of you know real order so that we understand it so um on January 24th I mean, I'm sorry, on January 2014, um, the Van Breda family moved from, they moved from Australia and moved, um, I guess, back to South Africa. I think that's where they were. So they moved to their home in an estate in South Africa. This was a very wealthy family. They lived in an estate um, in called De, De Sauze Golf Estate. My understanding was that this was a very you know, wealthy estate. This was like a gated community. So these were not people like they were very, very wealthy. They were a very wealthy family. I think the dad worked in some kind of, um, I don't know what kind of company worked in, but the Australian branch of Engel and, and Volkers, I don't know, but they were rich. Um, and they, it was the mom, it was dad, it was two sons, Rudy and Henry which we're going to talk about, and um, and then their daughter, um, 
um, Marley. Yeah, Marley was her name. Um, Rudy was 22. Um, he was the first son. Henry was 20. And Marley, their youngest daughter and their only daughter, was 16 um, at this time. So on January 27th, um, 2015, um, they, the, the entire family, well, the mom, the dad, Rudy, who was 22, um, they were found dead in their home. Um, and they were victims of an axe attack. Like, this, this is crazy. They were victims of an axe attack. Their daughter, Marley, who was 16, like I said, at that point, was in critical, critical condition. She, was, she had sustained some really, really serious head injuries. However, their youngest son, Henry, was slightly injured. And he only had, like, you know, really minor injuries or minor lacerations from the incident. And so, according to court papers, what they said had happened was that Henry, who was a 20-year-old son, had called his girlfriend at, like, 4.42 a.m. And the call hadn't been answered. And then he apparently, um, and so what, what, what he was saying, I believe, I guess my understanding is what he was saying had happened was that it was a um, it was a home invasion, and so he had called his girlfriend, and that had gone unanswered. And then he searched the internet for local emergency numbers. I don't know why that would be. Um, and so, also keep in mind, you know, a lot of these things, you know, maybe I'm not doing enough research. Um, I guess they moved to Australia the year before, so maybe he didn't know the emergency number. I mean, they moved from Australia the year before, so maybe he didn't know the numbers, the emergency service numbers, like why did he have to search? Um, but in any case, he had to search. Um, and so he wasn't all, until almost three hours after the incident happened that he made a call to the emergency services. And I really wish, because I know on one of the other podcasts that I've listened to, I, I believe I've actually heard the um, the call, like the emergency call. Um, but the what he said exclaiming was like my my family was like st- stuttering my my family they've been attacked by a guy with an axe um and so and so some of this this like i said emergency operation operators they've released like the 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 call so he finally made the call when police arrive on the scene um they declared the parents and the brother dead um Marley was who who suffered suffered really really traumatic um head injuries was rushed to intensive care unit and um over the course of the next few months um there was a lot of surgery done on Marley and um further medical treatment um by God's grace I mean you know she her life was saved she was however later diagnosed with retrograde amnesia and so because of that. Marley actually had no recollection of what took place the evening of the attack. She didn't remember what happened. And so the only person who really was a witness to everything, quote unquote, that happened was Henry. And so um, so what it they said was that, um, so let's see. So, so what the police said based on investigation was that there was um, an axe and a knife, and they were both identified as coming from the Van Breda residence. They were discovered at the scene. 
Um, there didn't seem to be any forced entry that was apparent. It's really funny because when I was doing my quote unquote research for this, um, I saw that I think, I don't know if it was like the police or like the judge or something said like even Houdini couldn't get into this house like there was no magic that was going to get anyone into this house it was determined that there was no forced entry that was apparent um according to the police when they got there Henry was dressed in a pair of slip shorts and white socks that was covered in blood the DNA of which was a match for his parents and for his brother and so um and so let's see uh the court papers read that it is believed that after the commission of the crimes, the accused, aka, if you haven't gathered, if I haven't said it explicitly, the accused here is Henry, um, tampered with the crime scene, inflicted injuries to his person. So he, like, inflicted injuries on himself and supplied false information to the police in order to mislead them as the identity, the true identity of the perpetrator. Um, I, this is insane to me, right? Like how, what, what could have been so bad that would make you, you know, just want to kill your whole family like that. But, um, so let's go back. So I'm going to go a little bit, you know, back and forth between like maybe the investigation and I mean, I'm really going to be going back and forth all through the story, the investigation, the, even the court trial, a little bit of that. And then maybe even go back a little bit to what potentially, you know, what people are saying could have been a motive for Henry to do this. And so they said the prosecute the prosecution, this is during the court um proceedings, the um they, they saw that there were barely any injuries and that there was a lot of inconsistencies in his testimony. And so they asked, like, why would an intruder that is seeking to rob your house, how come they didn't take any valuables? Like I said early on, this was like a really, this was a really, really rich family. Like the parents were rich. They lived in a really rich neighborhood. It was a gated community. If anyone had gotten in and they were really out here trying to steal, like they would have taken things, you know what I mean? Um, but he, but, but Henry couldn't answer any of those questions as to why there was no forced entry um, and why he had escaped, you know, all of the dangerous or deadly injuries that his, his family had encountered. Um, and then all of the experts that Anna, because I think based on the way that the crime scene was, it could have looked like um, there was more than one attacker based on how intense and how, um, you know, just deadly it was and how bloody it was. So experts who analyzed the, the, the gashes testify that they came from one attacker who used the same amount of force on each victim. Um, and this is where I said, actually, <laughs> this is what I read. So the security experts at the trial all but said that not even Houdini could have broken into the Van Breda's house. Like, this house was straight, like, like covered, like, no one was getting in. Um, and so, like I said, the the De Salze Gulf Estate had been described as a medium security gated community. Um, but in truth, it was actually considered one of the safest places to live in South Africa. Um, they had motion detectors. They had an alarm system. system they had 24-hour guard patrol, um, access-controlled gates, and an electric fence. So no one was getting in. Um, and so another, obviously, inconsistency is like, wait, so your parents, 
your brother, they're dead. Your sister is literally in critical condition. Why did it take you three hours to ring, to call the emergency services? And also, I don't know how get it communities operate because I've never lived in one personally, but don't they have neighbors? Like, couldn't you run to neighbors? Anyway, um, court papers re- revealed that a distressed Van Breda called his girlfriend at 442, like I said, numerous times, but the calls went unanswered. He then searched um, for the internet, for the emergency numbers, he searched the internet for emergency numbers, and he didn't call for almost two hours. And so the argument here, obviously, is um, he was waiting for his for his family to bleed to death and that's why he didn't call and um and so when he was asked to account for the time lapse like why didn't you call um henry apparently said that he had collapsed after witnessing his family being attacked and remained unconscious for hours which i guess could be a plausible um, explanation but like how sway like if you had been bitten up I mean if you had collapsed so you were unconscious how then did this person who used an axe to kill your father your mother your brother and almost damn near killed your sister left you just chilling there unconscious how does that happen and so of course whenever things like this happen you know like at least for me it's like damn like what happened like how like I mean we have everyone has family drama but what kind of family drama can you guys have to make this you know happen apparently um like I said you know so because people ask that type of question and the Van Breda's were quote-unquote a normal family like I said earlier a year before the attack they had been living happily in Melbourne in Australia they decided to move back primarily because of Martin Van Breda's business interest. Um, his wife, Teresa, also wanted to live closer to family. So my understanding is that they were South Africans. They used to live in Australia because of work. They moved back. Um, Henry and their oldest son, Rudy, uh, they actually remained in Australia as they were studying at the University of Melbourne. They then joined the family in South Africa later in 2014. This was a year before the unfortunate killings of the family. In court, like I said, the Van Bredas said, everyone said that they were a normal family. They had normal disagreements like everyone else. That if in fact there was any family, if there was any child who kind of was like an issue, it would have been Marley who was the who was the daughter, who was still young. She was 16, so maybe she was still going through like the teenage rebellious years. Um, uh, and she was the one that maybe got into her fa- into like arguments with her parents or whatnot. Unfortunately, and this is so sad, Marley underwent extensive surgery and physiotherapy after the attack, but she still had no recollection of like the horrific day and what happened. Um, and so, um, her extensive head injuries and self defense wounds were used to lead testimony in court, but based on what they, what, because of her injuries of all of the victims, she seemed to be the one that maybe put up the, put up the greatest fight. And it seems like unlike her mother and her brother who had minor defensive wounds, um, and defensive wounds, I guess, you know, I mean, you know, like forensic people are able to tell who puts up the most fight based on, you know, how, how the wounds show up. Um, and maybe also, um, I don't know, maybe they're able to tell based on like what wounds were done before the person dies and after the person dies. Um, 
but apparently unlike her mom and her brother who had minor defensive wounds which may have meant that they were asleep when it happened oh my lord the terrible way to wake up um marley may have actually seen her brother coming towards her and have tried to fight him off i can't yo man i can't even imagine um i'm so sorry y'all, if you heard anything um and so her father martin had um deep wounds on his back um and so one of the doctors who you know talked during the during the um trial said that this may have have been an indication that he used his body to try to shield um oh my god to try to shield rudy his son from his axe welding brother um believing that maybe is that the song wouldn't strike him, but he obviously did. And so I think one of the other things that I read, and maybe this was like some type of crazy sibling rivalry. This is a this is sibling. Oh my lord, this is sibling rivalry to a different level. Um, I think that the person that had the most brutal injuries was Rudy, the older son. And so I think that, you know, a lot of people had kind of insinuated that Henry was like the quote unquote black sheep of the family. And so because it was a black sheep of the family, I think maybe his brother was like the golden child. And so he was mad. Um, and so kind of, a, so kind of also talking a little bit about the attack, um, the judge, um, obviously talked about the brutality of the attack, that it was unprecedented, um, and that this is just an absolute disregard for the family. A neighbor that lived a few hundred meters from this, so yes, gated communities apparently do have neighbors. Um, a neighbor living in a few hundred meters from the Van Breda's home told the court during the trial that she had heard what sounded like loud arguing voices later that night. But the defense had argued that it was a sound of a film that was playing at high volume. Maybe, but it could have been both. Maybe there was films playing prior, but there was also clearly a killing. So there must have been loud shouting at some point. Um, neighbors and co- close family friends, like I said, had described Van Breda, Breda as always having been the black sheep of the family. While the other children had been thriving in school and in university, he decided to drop out of school. He came to live with his parents in South Africa, taking a quote-unquote gap year with no real plans for his life, perhaps disappointing his loving but strict father. I mean, okay. Um, he also reportedly had reportedly had a drug addiction that led his parents to threaten to cut off his allowance if he didn't clean up his act. So um, many people believe that the pressure of not measuring up to the expectations of his perfect family may have driven him to the edge just months after he arrived in um, in South Africa. Uh, and so, I mean, it's so sad. It's really so sad, but. So talk a little bit about the aftermath of of this and like the rear like so um of of all of these issues um well not issues this murder um Marley who is so it's just so sad she is the one I mean I feel sad for all of them but the parents and the brother are no longer here Marley spent months undergoing intensive physiotherapy and she eventually returned to school but for obvious reasons, was kept separately from her older brother. Um, but both of them at that point were residing with family members. Um, after the murders, 
um, Henry continued to plead innocent while local news outlets reported that he may have been, like I said, addicted, um, have had a drug addiction. Um, they even went as far as claiming to, they found a man who, who claimed to have been his drug dealer and who, who identified him from a, from a photograph saying that he had been a regular customer. Um, but after about a year and a half of investigations, police finally called um, Henry's lawyer to inform him that he needed to hand himself out, ha- hand himself over to the police. Um, so finally, um, I think that, let's see, I believe finally he handed himself over to the police on the 13th of June, 2016, which is over a year after after the murders happened. Um, and so he was charged with um, three charges of murder and one attempted murder um, and defeating one attempted murder for his for his sister and something and they say here the defeating the ends of justice um, so let's see um, I, I mean a lot of the court stuff I feel like that's not really my thing um, I'll kind of go over it a little bit but you guys know I mean I'll go over it a little bit but not too intensely um, Let's see, let's see, let's see. This is so sad. Ultimately, um, on May 21st, 2018, the um, court delivered his verdict through um, Judge Desai, who was the judge, and he found Henry guilty on three counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, and defeating the ends of justice. He was immediately taken into custody instead of temporary release until sentencing in the interest of his society. Yes, um, of, definitely of society. Um, and they say here that it was transferred to Paulsmore Prison's hospital section. Um, he was under treatment for epilepsy and depression following the murders. And then about a month later on June 7th, 2018, Henry Van Breda was sentenced to three life terms in prison in the Western Cape High Court for the murders of his mother, his father, and his brother. And then 15 years for attempted murder on his sister and a further 12 months for obstruction of justice. So he's spending his life in prison. He's spending his life in prison. Um, And then on... The 7th of November, 2018, the Supreme Court of Appeal dismissed Henry's application for leave to appeal his conviction and sentence. So that is the story, the beef story, at least story said um, from my perspective of the Van Breda murders or the story of um, Henry um, Van Breda. This is really, really sad. When I hear stories like this about um, you know, someone who kind of just goes crazy one night and like slashes his parents and his siblings. It's always like, yo, like how bad can he get? You know what I mean? How bad can he get? I mean, I think obviously we never know what's going on in people's worlds and you never know what's going on in people's lives. But it's just, it makes me so like, it's just like, damn, like, can you be that mad at your parents? You know, like how bad could his parents? I was also reading something that apparently, I think, you know, there is some speculation that maybe he was trying to, um, he was trying to um, 
get like his his father's um like to get inheritance but i'm like you're gonna get the inheritance anyway like just wait a little bit like you know what i mean um and then ultimately now you know you've you've you're not gonna get anything at this point um but it's really really sad and then and then i think it's bigger than that if you wanted to get inheritance you didn't need to brutally kill them with a freaking axe like you could you could have done it a whole bunch of different ways i know that sounds really really morbid i mean i'm just saying that like there seems to be something bigger here working and it's really sad i think my heart personally goes out to marley the daughter because she lost her entire family that day she lost obviously her parents she lost her brother both her brothers want to murder and want to be in a psychopath, you know, I mean, I, and I, and I use that term loosely because I know, but I mean, you know, someone killing his entire family and ultimately lost him to, um, to, to being in jail. And I wonder what their relationship is like. I mean, this sentencing was just done in 2018. So honestly, it wasn't that long ago. I wonder if she, is able to forgive. I don't know how she'll be able to forgive her brother when something that traumatic happens. But my heart goes out to her. I hope that, you know, she has been able to do better and just heal, physically heal from the events of that day. But also, I don't know how her heart is doing. Um, So sending some love her way and some positive thoughts and positive vibes her way. But thank you guys so much for listening um, to me today. Um, thank you for being a part of this journey. Um, I really, really like our new name. I like our new branding. Like I said, it's now called Black Girls Love True Crime. And I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the name. And I hope you guys are too. Um, we'll talk again next time. Bye.